With a week left to go in the regular season of Major League Baseball, the Atlanta Braves and New York Mets are tied atop the NL East. The Braves earned that with an 8-2 victory over the Nationals on Tuesday night thanks to some good performances on offense and doing some little things really well that we'll discuss. And the Mets dropping a game to the New York Mets or to the Miami Marlins, even though the New York Mets got plenty of help from the umpires. We'll talk about all of that and get you set for Wednesday's game, which becomes, again, a crucial game, as all these are down the stretch now with the Braves tied at the top of the NLEs. We'll discuss all of that on Wednesday's episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball and check out my bio there to see where I'm covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com, where I'm the co-editor. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube and hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell to help support the show. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. On today's podcast, we're going to be recapping Tuesday's win over the Washington Nationals, talking about the Mets and their defeat. We're talking about the offense, who continues to kind of break out of that slump that they were in and some little things that they did right that really changed this game. Then we'll get into the pitching side of things where Kyle Muller was okay, but the bullpen really came in and just shut things down. And obviously the offense pulling away helped out with that as well. And then we'll set you up for Wednesday's night's game, which every game from here on out is pretty much must win for the Atlanta Braves. On Tuesday night, it was Kyle Muller on the mound, like I said, was a solid start. But I want to talk about the offense first. I usually start with the pitching, but I want to start with the offense because they've really broken out of this little slump that they were in. Really, it's about a 12-game a slide, a two-week stretch for this offense where they just really weren't good. And starting Saturday in Philadelphia now, four games in a row, they've really started to turn things back up on Tuesday, eight runs on 10 hits, three walks, eight strikeouts. Everybody in the starting lineup reached base at least once and they continue to get it done with two outs as well, which is just really, you know, important for this team. I think shows you, you know, just how, how clutch this team is and how they don't let the moment get to them. They're very good with two outs, two strikes, you know, up and down the lineup. We talk a lot about Dansby Swanson and his ability to hit with outs and two strikes, but it's really, you know, everybody up and down this order that's able to come through in those situations. So it's really, you know, great to see, you know, Michael Harris, a big hit in this game uh, coming through with two outs. And, you know, overall they had, you know, five, five of their runs batted in of the eight scored came with two outs. So they continue to get it done with two strikes, two outs as Chip, Carry will remind you every time a batter comes up with two strikes and two outs, but it is true. 
Uh, they're one of the best in baseball in doing that. Something else I've really noticed, and it's really been a year-long thing, is sometimes this offense can struggle in those first couple of innings, but the second time through an order against a pitcher, which is you know true for most teams, that's when this offense can really get going. And you know it was the case in both of these games where first time through the order, the offense just looked terrible, downright bad with all the strikeouts, especially against Corey Abbott on Monday. But then all of a sudden they see him again. They start to make some adjustments and you see the offense really take off in those middle innings and the fourth inning, their third and on base percentage and have the sixth most runs scored in the fourth inning and the fifth inning, their on base percentage is fourth and they have the second most runs scored in the fifth inning. So getting it done in those middle innings, seeing a pitcher, you know, a second and third time, which again is pretty much true. For most teams, with the Braves especially, one of the best in baseball, making those adjustments the second time through the order. So that's something to keep an eye on, especially going to the postseason where you may not see a starting pitcher for a second or third time. Teams are going to be more quick to go to their bullpen if they see a starting pitcher struggle. So could be something to monitor going through. Would love to see the Braves you know, get off to more hot starts early in innings, but at least good to see them be able to make those adjustments and then what i really loved about not just the game on tuesday but i think you've seen this you know really over the last couple of games when this offense has gotten going are the little things i mentioned in monday's games i loved seeing austin riley go first to third on a single up the middle uh, i just haven't seen that a lot from those guys in the order whether it be riley olsen you know travis darno william Contreras. i just don't see that a lot those guys you know, because of their their lack of speed, they're not going first to third a lot, and it really can gum up the base pass. But I loved seeing that on Monday. On Tuesday, it was the infield hits, the little things that the Braves were doing that really helped break things open. Again, I mentioned the offense was sluggish through the first three innings. And then Matt Olson, who hit some hard balls in this game, had two balls hit over 101 miles per hour that didn't get down for hits. But the biggest hit of the game for him was a 57.6 mile per hour ball that glanced off the pitcher's glove and just went to where nobody was and Matt's able to reach base keep the inning alive with two outs and then Michael Harris comes up with a triple to tie the game at two so that's a big moment in this game where with two outs you know Matt Olson puts the ball in play doesn't hit it hard but something good happened it kept the inning alive and the Braves were able to tie things up then in the sixth inning Michael Harris busted it out of the box and was safe at first base on a replay review, which, by the way, the Rays won three replay challenges that they initiated, which I think it has to be a record for the Braves. But that was one of them. That call was overturned. He ends up being safe. And then William Contreras beats out an infield single and keeps the inning alive. And then Eddie Rosario comes through with the ball off the center field wall that drives in two runs and that broke the game open, made it a six to two game at that point And what was a four to two close ball game. So those little things right there, the hustle plays, putting the ball in play with two outs, you know, those are little things that add up. So it's great to see the Braves starting to do those little things. And there's been more examples of that, especially over the last, you know, two or three games now, but, I love seeing that from this Braves offense, doing those little things, being able to keep innings alive, and that's been leading to them scoring more runs, obviously. 
I mentioned Matt Olson. He had that soft single. He also hit three balls pretty hard, drew a walk in this. Again, every game for Matt Olson right now, we are overanalyzing, looking for him to get hot, get home, get going, looking for signs of him getting back on track. Again, another hit, a walk, some balls hit hard. I think we're continuing to see Matt Olson hopefully start to come out of that slump. And then Ronald Acuna Jr., two home runs on the night. Both of them were absolute missiles out to left field. I tweeted out they're going to have to change the seats out there because he's putting dents in them. I mean, these balls were crushed. First one was hit 112 miles per hour on an 88-mile-per-hour fastball up and in. It traveled 396 feet, got out in a hurry. The second one was on a 95-mile-per-hour fastball middle up that left the bat at 110.8 miles per hour. It went 407 feet. What I loved about both of these swings, they were both fastballs up in the zone, something that's given him a little bit of trouble, but they were also varying speeds. You had one you know, in the high 80s that was kind of running in on him that was he was able to turn on and keep fair. And then you had one in the mid-90s that was up that he's able to get to and drive out 407 feet. So I love those swings from Acuna. Good to see him be able to get to those high fastballs. Four home runs now in his last nine games played. We've talked about it all year long. The lack of launch from Ronald Acuna Jr. He's been Pulling these balls all on the ground to the left side. We've been we've known if he can get back under these baseballs, start driving them, the hits will start coming. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit. Just fingers crossed that he can stay healthy and they are able to keep him fresh for the rest of the season, regular and post. But good to see that from Acuna. And then Arcia, homers again. He's homered in five straight games at Nationals Park in which he's gotten in at bat. He has five home runs and 21 at-bats at Nats Park this week. So I don't know if that was part of the game plan for Brian Snicker, that he knows how good Orlando Arcee has hit there this year, so he's throwing him in the lineup, or whether or not he's just giving him a chance over Von Grissom, who has struggled. But Orlando Arcee is certainly taking advantage of the moment in this series with a couple of home runs and another one on Tuesday night. So the offense gets it done. Kyle Muller did just enough, not his best outing, but he was able to keep the Braves in the game and then turn it over to that bullpen, which has been fantastic. We'll talk about that next. We're winding down. The nights are getting longer, but the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life, and it's especially true in the bedroom when it's time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique service online that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready when the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. With BlueChew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package arrives, your package arrives. Go to BlueChew.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get a free month's supply and just pay $5 in shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON for your first month for free. 
Kyle Muller got the start on Tuesday night for the Atlanta Braves as they shift their rotation around, setting up for this weekend series against the New York Mets. You got Bryce Elder on Monday, who gave you a, a gem of a performance, a complete game shutout. Doesn't get much better than that. Kyle Muller on Tuesday night, not nearly as great of a performance, but I thought he did just fine. I thought he gave the Braves what they needed going almost five innings, keeping the team in the game. His final stat line, four and two-thirds innings, six hits, one walk, uh, which is nice to see. Two earned runs, both of those coming in the first two innings, four strikeouts, 86 pitches, eight swings and misses, 16 called strikes, 87.8 mile-per-hour average exit velocity, which is not bad at all. 16 hard-hit balls on 16 balls put in play. Again, not bad. Fastball average fastball velocity was down a tick. It was more, he was more so in the 93s, where we've seen him more in the 94 mile per hour range. So, not sure if that's just the, the long season wearing on him a little bit. Like I said, coming in, he struggled a bit in August, but did notice that the fastball was down a little bit from where we've seen him in the past at the big league level. Uh, two out walk in the fifth inning ended his day. Again, just one out away from getting through the fifth and qualifying for the win. But after he walked Joey Manessis, Luke Voigt was coming up. Voigt already had two doubles off of Moeller in the game. So Ryan Snicker not messing around, and I'm glad he didn't mess around. Brought in Colin McHugh to get out of that inning. So certainly agree with the decision there. If this were the middle of the season, Kyle Muller at 86 pitches likely gets to face Luke Boyd and a chance to get out of that inning. But as we know, you have to win every single one of these games down the stretch here and didn't want to let, let the Nationals back in that game. So I agree with the decision from Brian Snicker to go with Colin McHugh, even though Muller had settled down uh, and was pitching much better. I agree with the decision there to pull Kyle Muller. So in the end, I think Muller gave you, you know, what you needed from him again pitching halfway through the game keeping the team in the game certainly will take that and especially like I said settled down after some early trouble gave up a run in the first inning gave up a solo home run to Victor Robles in the second inning uh, but then kept the Nationals off the board after that and what I loved about Kyle Muller in this start very aggressive especially early in the counts he was five for five on first pitch strikes in the first inning three for four in the second, four for five in the third, two for four in the fourth inning, and then three for three in the fifth inning. So 17 of the 21 batters he faced, he got ahead of with strike one. So certainly love to see that. And the Nationals, they only had one true lefty in their lineup, had a couple of switch hitters in there, but C.J. Abrams was the only left-handed hitter in their lineup, everybody else hitting from the right side off the lefty Kyle Muller. And four of the hits allowed came against the Nationals' top four hitters. So, uh, again, you know, nothing really to be upset about with this start from Kyle Muller. Did exactly what the Braves needed him to do. I think he still might be an option for the postseason roster if Snicker feels like he needs another lefty for early game situations. But you still have Masick, you have Lee, you have Minter. So not really necessary to bring Kyle Muller on the roster. Matzik, who we'll talk about, you know, he had a clean ninth inning in this game, which leads me to the bullpen. I mentioned Colin McHugh coming in, got out of that fifth inning with two outs and a, a runner on, so the tying run at the plate at the time, and then pitched a clean sixth inning. 
Then he brought in A.J. Minter for the seventh inning. I think the plan was to go Minter, Iglesias, Jansen before the offense kind of broke things out. So A.J. had a clean seventh inning, Jesse Chavez a clean eighth inning, and then Matzik, as I mentioned, a very efficient and quick ninth inning. In total, the bullpen, four and a third innings, no hits, no walks, no earned runs, seven strikeouts, and you get another day of rest for Iglesias and Jansen. So continued great work out of the bullpen who, yes, it's the Nationals, but they pitched the end of the game with no stress whatsoever when the Braves were on defense. So love to see that from your bullpen. And again, you didn't have to use two of your best guys to do it. Thought the defense was solid again in this game, talking about doing the little things. Dansby Swanson with back-to-back, just really great plays, one to his right, one to his left, crossing over to the second base position. So we know how great he has been. I think he's definitely in consideration for the Gold Glove Award. Acuna with a nice running catch. I've been mentioning his defense and how valuable I think that has been for the Braves when he's out there and how important it is for him to be out there. A great running catch for him is great to see. And Jesse Chavez with a comebacker off his glove settles down and gets the out at first base. So again, yes, you're playing the Nationals. Yes, it's a team you should absolutely beat in clobber, but I'm looking at this thing you know, at a microscopic level, trying to see, is this team playing, winning baseball? Are they doing the little things? And we've certainly seen that at least the first two games of this series. But they'll need that to continue on Wednesday because what happens on Tuesday means absolutely nothing if you give that game right back to the Mets on Wednesday. And we'll preview that game next. Before we get into... Uh, Wednesday's matchup. I did want to talk about the weekend for just a second because a lot of questions about what might happen this weekend with Hurricane Ian coming in. There's definitely going to be some rain. There's going to be some problems maneuvering around that. It's sounding like Saturday is going to be uh, the worst day of it. So the hope is perhaps you get the game in Friday. They may, they're even talking about possibly moving that game up on Friday. It sounds like there's no discussions right now in terms of moving the series up to start on Thursday or changing locations. So from what we're hearing right now, we may not know until Friday. I'm sure they're going to let this hurricane play out and see what it looks like. But right now, it sounds like the series will remain in Atlanta. It sounds like the game's Um, will be played as scheduled right now with potential of the game on Friday moving up. If things are as bad on Saturday as it sounds like, there's a potential to play a doubleheader on Sunday, or they could use that day in between the end of the regular season and the postseason. That, to me, is not ideal because that's going to throw off the rotation for, you know, whoever has to play in the wild card series. So, and really could throw you off for whoever plays in the division series. So I don't love that idea of having to play on that next Thursday, the Thursday before the postseason begins. So hopefully somehow they're able to get these series in this weekend. You know, Freed's scheduled to pitch on Friday. If they can at least get that game in, that means that he would get another start in the regular season if needed. You know, if things get pushed back to Sunday and you play a doubleheader, It's likely uh, Kyle Wright and Charlie Morton weren't going to get another start this season anyway, so that's not a huge deal. But hopefully they're able to get the series in this weekend at home at Truist Park 
and nothing really affects that. Hate having to play, you know, a double header for games that are so meaningful. But with the Braves evening the series, it gives them the the opportunity now to go into that Mets series where they don't have to sweep it. As I've been talking about, you go into that series down a game, you pretty much got to sweep because the Mets hold a tiebreaker. So you can't finish the season even. And if the Raves sweep, they own the tiebreaker, but you got to sweep to do that. If the Mets just win one game, they win the ser- season series and own that tiebreaker. So with the, with the Braves pulling even, it affords them to a, the ability to go into that series and lose one game and still be okay, come out of that series on top. Then you got to take care of business against the Marlins, who are giving the Mets a tough test right now. But still, that gives you the best-case scenario. So – what happened on Tuesday is huge because you pull even with the with the Mets, but you got to follow that up with a win on Wednesday. And that could be difficult because the Braves are throwing Chaco to Rizzi out there, and they're going up against Josiah Gray, who's a good pitcher. He's had some success against the Braves in the past, and Jaco to Rizzi has not had much success with the Braves in the past. So, A lot riding on this game. You can't count on the Marlins to take down the Mets two games in a row. You know, them just winning one game was, you know, big enough and help enough. And that's got plenty of help in that game. You didn't see it. Marlins had a pitcher get three balks called after an infield single that allowed the Mets run to score. And, oh, by the way, take a look at that umpire scorecard in that game as well. So, that was a huge win for the Marlins to be able to do that. Some some big, big break or help for the Braves. But if you don't win the game on Wednesday, the Mets, you know, likely come back and win their game on Wednesday and you go into that Mets series down a game again, then you're back in a situation where you pretty much have to sweep that series. And that's just a lot to ask. So got to win this game on Wednesday, go into that series over the weekend, at least tied in the division, hopefully up a game. That would be ideal. But got to win this game on Wednesday. I can't emphasize enough how important it is to make sure that they win on Wednesday and go into that series at least tied. And a lot of that rests on the shoulder, on the arm of Jake Odorizzi, who has to have his best performance with the Braves on Wednesday night. He's got to be able to get through at least five innings and keep the team in the game. Can't go in there and give up a four spot early and just put this team behind the ball. You got to go in there and get through five innings. Do what Kyle Muller did even. Get through four four plus innings with two earned or less and give this offense a chance to get going and hopefully put up another big number. So a lot of pressure on this offense as well. They may have to continue to score big numbers, and that's a lot to ask right now for an offense. Again, going up against a good young pitcher in Josiah Gray. So I really hate that it's coming down to Jake Odorizzi right here in order to win this game, but the Braves need him to step up. They need a big start for him on Wednesday night. You have to win this game. You got to win pretty much every game the rest of the way. You can maybe afford to lose one game the rest of the way. That's just where the Braves are at right now. So you got to win this game on Wednesday. Jake Odorizzi has to step up. The offense has to continue to do what they've been doing. Get it done. Go into that series against the Mets, at least tied, and you give yourselves a really good chance of winning the NL East. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen, Lockdown MLB podcast, 
where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team, talking about the biggest stories from around the league. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstopball. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 